1: A blockchain wallet to decentralize work? Good evening, I'm Pete Rizzo and this is Late Confirmation from CoinDesk bringing you today's top stories. On today's program, a blockchain version of an app store aims to make it easier for banks to access distributed ledger technology. A crypto startup founded by Alibaba veterans has raised $20 million. And lastly, large institutions are betting against retail investors, or so says Coindesk's researcher, Adam Hart. He's here to talk about latest findings from our recent State of Blockchain report. But first, a word from our sponsor, Saeed Business School at the University of Oxford. Master financial technology online with a 10-week Oxford FinTech program. Interacting with an international cohort of business leaders and over 60 guest experts, you'll gain a practical introduction to key financial technologies and their business applications. The first major app on Blockstack launched today is promising to disrupt future models of employment, bringing it more in line with a decentralized ethos. Speaking to CoinDesk, the team behind Mythos, a new multi-signature wallet, said it will help ad hoc ventures such as crypto project teams distribute income to individual members. Mythos requires that every payout be unanimously approved by partners of the venture, replacing traditional contracts and salaries with team consensus about the value of individual contributions. By doing so, the team behind the wallet thinks they can build this transparent work environment. The wallet is already in use at Cointrainer, a Munich-based Bitcoin application. Uh, users there applaud the wallet, but will it catch on? Read more at Coindesk.com. A blockchain app store backed by IBM aims to help connect banks and fintech and software vendors. Launched today, Ledger Connect is the latest collaborative work by bank-owned currency trading utility, CLS, and enterprise software giant, IBM. On Ledger Connect, financial institutions will be able to access DLT-based services in areas such as know-your-customer processes, sanctions screenings, collateral management, derivatives post-trading, and reconciliation and market data. Nine financial institutions have already joined Ledger Connect, including major banks such as Barclays and Citigroup. A public blockchain project has raised over $20 million from institutional investors in a combined token and equity sale. Founded by a team of former Alibaba employees, the project known as Ultrain is designed as a scalable platform for empowering decentralized applications, or DApps. The combined token and equity sale attracted investors including Draper Dragon, FBG Capital, startups like Bixin and OKCoin, and VC funds Morningside Capital and Sewan Capital. Launched in October 2017, Ultrain launched a test version of its network earlier this year uh, that it claimed was able to process 3,000 transactions per second on the network with 1,000 nodes hosted on Alibaba cloud servers. Of course, we'll be following these stories closely on Coindesk.com and on Twitter at Coindesk. And now we're going to take a deeper dive into the state of blockchain. uh, From Q2, here to discuss this topic is Coindesk researcher Adam Hart. Welcome to the show, Adam. It's great to be here. So, Adam, you uh, helped the part of the report I understand that has a lot of people's attention. This is, of course, about exchange-traded funds uh, that it has the market buzzing about the potential that we'll see a public markets vehicle uh, actively trade or actively interact with the Bitcoin markets. Um, maybe you can give us a little bit of overview. Um, how did you take this topic on and, and what did you provide to the uh, subject that people are talking
0: about? Right. So, this has definitely been a hot topic issue recently in the uh, cryptocurrency community. Um, with most of the discussion about exchange-traded funds. But what we did in our report is we looked at um, what I would argue is an often overlooked means of institutional money coming into the at least the Bitcoin world, um, which are the futures products that were recently launched in December by the CME and CBOE. Um, and be there um,
1: so why do you say that they were overlooked so as I understand that these projects uh, products came on the market and and they joined an older set of products uh, I mean how did you look at both of those in the report
0: right so so there's a big difference between um, these new uh, futures products and some of the existing products on the market um, so first I think one Issue um, is that many people don't understand exactly what these futures products are. So unlike uh, what's called the spot Bitcoin market, which is you know exchanges that everyone is familiar with, like Coinbase, where you go and buy actual Bitcoin with you know, U.S. dollars, um, a futures market involves two sides, a buyer and a seller, and they trade a contract between them to basically pay the price of Bitcoin at a future date, in this case, uh, one month in advance. So uh, unlike an an exchange where there's actual Bitcoin traded, this is just a contract between two parties. And what this means is that... um, one, the the futures markets are much more heavily regulated than the spot exchange markets. Specifically, the uh, CME and CBOE are regulated not directly by the CFTC, but are, are overseen by the CFTC, um, and therefore they have to report data. So this, this data that they report to the CFTC is what we were able to really take a look at and is where we got some uh, really interesting insights.
1: So this data that they were providing, uh, it sounds like they were disclosing uh, a little bit about the volume of trades that are being made. Is that
0: correct? Exactly. And and what's really interesting for us is the CFTC actually breaks down um, not necessarily the volume of trades, but what's called open interest, the, the number of contracts that are currently on the market. And they break it down between what are called reportable traders and non-reportable traders. So essentially, reportable traders are large traders. These are mostly institutions or very high net worth individuals who have massive open positions, and they specifically report to the CFTC. The non-reportable traders are everyone else, or generally retail-focused investors. And what's really interesting here is that we saw a big discrepancy in uh, the positions of those two different groups of traders. So the big traders, the reportable traders... Um, Were they comprised 80% of the open interest, so the vast majority of the the trades that took place on these futures exchanges. And the uh, large institutions, somewhat predictably, were in the sum, they were slightly short Bitcoin. They were betting on the price of Bitcoin going down, whereas retailers, by a three-to-one margin, bet that the price of Bitcoin would go up. So that's a big discrepancy between institutional money and the smaller retail money.
1: Well, I guess I just uh, uh, maybe ask a follow-up question there. So, when you're saying smaller retail money, isn't this true that these would also be high net worth individuals who are using these uh, uh, these uh, products? So, it's, is it true that to say that these are you know retail investors, maybe mom and pop? I guess how do you know, or what do we know about um, you know this category of retail trader that you that you were looking at?
0: Yeah, that that's an excellent point. And again, we we don't know for sure that they are absolutely retail investors. What we all we really know is that they fall below the CFTC's reporting requirements, which means they aren't big institutions and they aren't very high net worth individuals who use lots and lots of futures. Right. Now, futures may seem like a very complicated product, but there are most certainly retail investors involved in you know futures across the board, not just in Bitcoin, but in uh, foreign currency trading and commodities trading who do, you know, these are day traders, right. who they go on and bet money on futures markets. So that's traditionally sort of, the non-reportable category, but you're absolutely right that these can include high-net-worth individuals as well, as long as they fall below that reporting level requirements for the CFTC.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the split, I guess, because as you, as it says, uh, you know, you found that the uh, institutional traders were largely short Bitcoin, uh, retail traders were largely long. How do you think, or or what does this say about the upcoming dynamic with the ETF? Is this something where you expect there to be, um, I guess, any is any any contact that we'll be looking for there as we uh, look for what's ahead?
0: Yeah. So one interesting note there is um, the ETF. Again, I'm I'm not a lawyer, so I can't speak at all to the the timeline of that, and we'll we'll leave that out of today's podcast. But um, with with the ETF again, um, for everyone who's involved, who the ETFs are commonly seen as a means of getting institutional money into Bitcoin. The the data we're seeing here. Um, In addition to the general long short split between institutional money which again institutions are only slightly short Bitcoin so I I would be careful to draw too many conclusions to that but what we are seeing here is that there's actually a large volume of institutional money already participating in the Bitcoin ecosystem at least betting on the price through these futures contracts so although a lot of people you know are clamoring for an ETF to open the floodgates for all this institutional money to rush in and push up the price of Bitcoin, uh, the data that we're seeing here shows that there's a lot of very high net worth money coming from reportable traders that's already circulating on these futures exchanges. For example, um, when the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the CME futures, which are considered the, it's the larger of the two exchanges that are regulated by the CFTC, when those futures launched in April, um, they have actually really caught on and volume has taken off. Um, in the past week, they process the, the uh, CME exchange alone saw about uh, $200 million worth of notional value trade every day. So to put that in perspective, that's you know, basically two times what Coinbase does in a day. So that's not an insignificant amount of institutional money that's out there betting on the price of Bitcoin. Now, they're not buying actual Bitcoin, but they're betting on the price. However, I will uh, qualify that a little by comparing it with um, the non-CFTC-regulated derivative exchanges. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So the big one, oh, it's not uh, based here in the U.S., it's in Hong Kong, uh, is BitMEX, which trades in the U.S. dollar as well. And they absolutely dwarf the numbers we see on these CFTC-regulated exchanges um, where you know, BitMEX is doing something like 12 times the amount of daily value Uh, trading that the CME does. And uh, Bitflyer, as well, is another massive overseas derivatives exchange. They have uh, both a spot market and a derivatives market, um, and their derivatives market is processing upwards of $2 billion of notional value a day.
1: Hmm. Fascinating stuff. Uh, Changing market, and it sounds like, uh, as you've identified, potentially more change to come. Uh, Adam, I'd like to thank you for being on the podcast. Today Confirmation, again, is brought to you by the Said Business School at Oxford University, where you can now study fintech entirely online. The 10-week program gives you the tools you need to build the future of transactions and commerce. You'll explore emerging technologies that will disrupt marketplaces and financial services and examine the state of the industry and plan disruptive intra- and entrepreneurial interventions. Throughout the program, you'll be exposed to key ideas, principles, and frameworks from the CEOs of leading startups, corporate leaders, and instructional leaders at the forefront of research in the space of the future of commerce and transactions. On today's stories, check out Coindesk.com. And of course, you can get all our updates on Twitter and at our newsletter, slash newsletter. And for Coindesk, I'm Pete Rizzo, and this has been Late Confirmation.
0: The Pod Glomer, a sonic
1: universe.